If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith, host of the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and I answer your phone calls and respond to your tweets. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions and straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. All that and more. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. This is The Look Ahead on VSIN, the sports betting network. It is our number two of The Look Ahead right here on VSIN, the sports betting network. Greg Peterson filling in for Scott Seidenberg. I'll be with you guys all week long. So, very happy to be here with you guys, taking a look at some baseball, taking a look forward to the upcoming NFL season. So, we'll be doing a lot of that just all throughout the week. We want to do a good job of taking a look at a few NFL season wins in our number one with Albert Wynn, better known as Analytics Capper. That was tremendous. And here in our number two, in about 15 or so minutes, we're going to be joined by Anthony DeBundo. He does a great job over at the Action Network taking a look at the game of baseball. We're going to be breaking down a few games that we are going to be seeing on this Wednesday. And then in about 45 minutes, we took a look at a little bit of NFL in our number one. How about if we wind up taking a look at some college football in about 45 minutes, that would be with Stephanie Adi. Does a great job over there with the Big Ten Network, coupled with the fact that she does some work over there with Vegas Insider as well. So we've got a great second hour coming up for you here. And we've also got my DK Nation pick in terms of what we're going to be seeing on the Diamond for Wednesday coming up right about now as well as we wind up going out to the American League. And one of the crazy series that we've been seeing this week has been Astros versus A's with the A's being able to take the first two games of the series. And now they're going to be looking to make it three in a row as we wind up going 961-962 on the board. It is the A's playing host to the Astros, and the Astros are finding themselves a rather hefty favor. They're up to $2 at DraftKings. I'm seeing as low as a minus 185 out there, and in between plus 170 and plus 175 going to be your price on Oakland with Cole Irvin going for them and Christian Avier on the bump for Houston. And total on this game is 7.5, and... I do think that there's actually a little bit of value once again here with the Oakland A's. I was willing to take anything north of a plus 165 in. We are right now seeing the money pile in on the Houston Astros. Once again, due to the logic that I was mentioning in our number one in terms of the Dodgers versus Washington Nationals game, probably a lot of people thinking, oh, there's no way humanly possible that the Houston Astros can wind up losing three games in a row. Meanwhile, you take a look at things and... I mean, it's not this simple because obviously the Houston Astros have more than a 50% chance of being able to beat the Oakland A's. No offense or buts about it, but let's say that you wind up having a result like a coin toss in which it is 50-50. If you wind up having it land heads one time, guess what the odds are of it landing heads the next time? Well, you wind up tossing up the coin 50-50 once again. So, I mean, just because the Astros were 60% to wind up winning the game perhaps on 
Tuesday. You can vary it a little bit. Some of you might think it would have been closer to two-thirds. Some of you might have thought it was closer to like 55%. Insert your number here. But just because they were north of 50% to win the last game doesn't mean that just because they're like, once again, if you're winding up taking a look at the implied odds of minus $2, they're right around about a 66 or so percent chance to be able to win this game here. It does not mean that, once again, you should be thinking, oh, yeah, well, it's a case in which they've got to be due to win here. It's still, once again, that one singular result as well. Sometimes they just wind up having crazy clusters that wind up going together. So I do think that there's still a little bit of value here with the Oakland A's. And the reason why there's value with Oakland A's is because, as they always say, momentum is as good as your next day starter. And guess who's going to be going on the mound? Cole Irvin, a guy that has been dominant at home this season, under the radar. If he was playing for any team other than the Oakland A's, I think that we would be giving this a little bit more love than it has been getting. Overall, Cole Irvin, very good thus far this season. Five and seven for the record. The record doesn't necessarily indicate he's been able to perform, but a 3.08 ERA, giving up fewer than two walks per nine innings. But you wind up breaking this down a little bit further to what he's been able to do at home. Opponents are hitting a buck 99 off of him. He's got a 163 ERA. He's won 55 and a third innings. He's allowed zero home runs this year at home. He has been terrific in Oakland. Now, the one caution that you've got with this is that a lot of Cole Irvin's home starts have come during the nighttime, and he's a little bit more of a fly ball pitcher, and when it comes to Oakland, you wind up having the marine layer out currently during the nighttime. The West Coast weather, just not necessarily so polite to you if you're a hitter during the nighttime. During the daytime, it becomes a little bit more hitter-friendly, so that is the one thing that you do want to take note of, but overall, in his last seven starts, both home and road, Opponents are a buck 89 off of Cole Irvin. He has been terrific. Meanwhile, you take a look at the flip side for Houston Astros. They're going to be throwing out their Christian Javier, who's been masterful for the team this season. 12.4 strikeouts per nine innings. You may recall he was a part of that combined no-hitter against the New York Yankees a little bit earlier this season. Opponents are just a buck 82 off of him. 313 ERA. He's made 18 pitching appearances appearances this season. He has given up two runs or fewer in 14 of them. So he's been able to live up to every bit of the billing and then some with him. And then you take a look at this Astros bullpen, number one in the big leagues in terms of VRA. Ryan Sanek, Rafael Montero, throw in there Seth Martinez as well. All these guys have a sub two ERA. You got your closer in Ryan Presley, who's one of the best in the business for the team as well. Brian Abreu has been able to give you some relatively solid innings. So you've really got a very solid team, in my opinion, here in the Astros. And it's a big reason why they've been such a good under team. You take a look at Teams that have been the best to the under, and right now it is the Astros and the Tigers that stand alone, hitting over 60% of their games to the under thus far this season, because with the Astros as well, they have seen a little bit of a fall with the bats this season. They've been dealing with an injury to Michael Brantley. You wind up seeing Jose Altuve wind up getting a day off on Tuesday as well. He was not in the starting lineup, so got to figure that there might be a little bit of an ailment there. And then with the Oakland A's, you've got to recognize the fact that they have been able to a solid job over their last three games of being able to generate some runs. They have, as a matter of fact, been able to score a combined 20 runs in their last three games, being able to get a couple of Ws, and then they wound up having just one little bit of a calamity against the Texas Rangers to round out that series on Sunday. But the team has been able to get it going with regards to the offense. This is still a team that's dead last in the big leagues in terms of runs per game at home. They're still dead last in the league in terms of batting average at home as well as they're hitting about a 205 as a collective in their home games. They're averaging 2.8 runs per game in Oakland as well. I mean, there's no other team in Major League Baseball with 
fewer than 3.45 runs per game at home this season. So it is a big issue for this bunch. And then you just take a look at the power numbers of this team. You don't have anyone that's had more than 12 home runs thus far this season. So that's an issue. You don't have a single guy that's hitting really above a 250 that has seen more than 35 or so at bats as well. So I take a look at this Oakland A's team. I don't think that they're going to be able to generate any runs whatsoever. I think that the Astros are going to do a nice job of being able to hold down the fort. But I mean, the way that Cole Irvin has been rolling has been terrific. And then for the Oakland A's, you've got a quadrant of bullpen pieces and Domingo Acevedo, Zach Jackson, AJ Puck throwing their same ball. All these guys have a sub three ERA. So the Oakland A's bullpen has been relatively solid for this team as well. I think that you've got all the makings of a game that should be relatively low scoring. Heck, at a seven, I like this game under. We are currently seeing it at a seven and a half. So this is a spot in which I am going to be writing up for DK Nation the under in this game. And hey, if you're able to get north of a plus 165, which I'm seeing that at darn near every book that's available to me, you have a little bit of value, in my opinion, on the Oakland A's. So I'm going to be looking at the A's and I'm going to be writing up for DK Nation the under. Something else I'm going to be taking a look at as well is junk. You're probably wondering, why are you looking at junk? Well, because Junk is on the mound for the LA Angels. We go 959-960 on the betting board. The Angels hit the red face off against the Kansas City Royals. Typically, it's just using a metaphor of Junk for the Angels, but literally, Jansen Junk is going to be getting the start for the LA Angels. Meanwhile, you've got Brad Keller is going to be on the bump for the Royals, and the Royals, not too shockingly, they find themselves a favorite anywhere between minus 125 and minus 135. Right now, the Angels find themselves right around about a plus 115 to a plus 120. 8.5 is your total. The over is relatively juiced on that. I'm seeing a straight 9 at DraftKings right now with that 9 juicy under. And, I mean, there's just so many jokes to make with this one for one with Jansen Junk taking the mound. But, I mean, right now, the betters are fading Junk because the Kansas City Royals, they open up in a lot of places right around a minus 120. You've seen them jump and a lot of books right around 10 to 15 cents or so, and I think that this is relatively warranted. I was willing to lay up to about a minus 138-ish with the Kansas City Royals. I do think that this is a bunch of, they should be able to have a good go of it here with Brad Keller, because Brad Keller throughout his career has been able to perform significantly better at home than he has been able to on the road, and the big thing with Brad Keller is that he just keeps the ball in the yard. He's giving up for his career right around 0.7 to 0.8 home runs per nine innings. That drops even further when he's in Kansas City. The big thing for Keller has always been the walks for his career. He's been giving up a little bit over three and a half walks per nine innings. So it's not been a case in which he has been just lights out terrific this season, but he's been able to reduce that walks rate a little bit closer to a 3.1, 3.2. So that has been relatively solid. And for Jansen Junk, you take a look at what he wound up doing in the PCL this season. And the PCL is notorious in the minor leagues for being a little bit of a juice ball league. And he's got a sub 3-5 ERA, which is not bad, but his swing and miss stuff is not necessarily there. He hasn't necessarily given up a lot of hard contact. Not a guy that's going to walk a ton of guys, but I don't know if his stuff is tra- able to translate from the AAA level up to the big leagues. It seems like he's going to be reliant very much on trying to get some ground balls and. I guess the Kansas City Royals that might not necessarily be too unsuccessful because Bobby Witt Jr., their main form of power, being able to give the team a double-digit amount of homers, he's currently out of the fold. He's hitting right around 8-250. The only guy in the starting lineup right now for the Kansas City Royals that's healthy and has more than nine home runs this season, that would be MJ Melendez. Guys like Vinny Pasquinto and company have not necessarily been too terrific. Now, batting average of the Royals has been able to climb a little bit more. You've got Whit Merrifield hitting up to now about a 245 for the team. Nicky Lopez, he's in that same vein as well. So these guys have been able to give you a little bit more. And 
Andrew Benetini. The power has been way down with him, but he's hitting above 300 this season. Meanwhile, you take a look at the Angels, and with Mike Trout being out of the fold, that has not been good for this team, to say the least. Taylor Ward has seen a big fall off ever since he wound up going on the injured list. Joy Otani has been able to do a nice job being able to give this team 20-plus home runs, just an unfortunate case, which nobody's providing anything around him right now. You do have Jared Walsh. Think about it, 240-245, double-digit amount of homers out of him as well, but both of these bullpens, even though they're relatively untrustworthy, they are now going to be going up against a pair of lineups that have been just absolutely terrible. I'm taking a look at this game to the under because I just don't think that either team is going to be able to generate a lot of offense, but I have more faith in Keller at home rather than Jansen Junk, and I do think that Junk going to have a little bit of a tough time with it in this start. So looking at the Royals and looking at an under and coming up next, we're looking at a great chat as Anthony DeBundo does a great job over there at the Action Network. He's going to help me break down the Wednesday MLB card right here on VEASAN, the Sports Banking Network. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. From LinkedIn News, I'm Leah Smart, host of Every Day Better, an award-winning weekly podcast dedicated to personal development. Whether you're looking for ways to shift your mindset or seeking more fulfillment in your life, we've got you covered. You can build internal resources. That's what the study of psychology is about, building internal resources. Turning towards is one of the most important elements of successful relationships, no matter what kind of relationship it is. The thing that underpins all of this productivity stuff is finding a way to make the journey itself enjoyable. The journey is the destination. The beauty of uncertainty is infinite possibility. When you don't know what's next, you don't know what's next. And thus, anything can be next. Join me as we dive into captivating stories and research-backed ideas that have empowered me and others to lead lives with more clarity and intention. Everyday Better, making growth an everyday practice. Listen to Everyday Better on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Today, this is the look ahead on VSIN, the sports betting network. Ice cold beers and cold art gash. Join the action on the pitch with the Heineken 2022 Soccer Prediction Challenge. Compete for 20 free to play pools this season for your shot. A share of $100,000 in total cash prizes. Head on over to DraftKings.com slash Heineken now to start your run at victory. Heineken, beer made better. 21 years or older, terms and conditions, and other eligibility restrictions do apply. See DraftKings.com for details and, for usual, please do drink responsibly as it is a look at with myself, Greg Peterson, and great to be joined by our guest, Anthony DeBundo. Does a great job over there at the Action Network. Taking a look at a wide variety of things, and I know that this time of year is this time of year for taking a look at the game of baseball. And Anthony, great to have you aboard tonight. Thank you. Good to be here. Glad to see some underdogs finally win. Yes, sir. We have been seeing quite a few underdogs. If you've been taking the Nationals the last few days, that's been going well for you. The Oakland A's, that has been going quite promisingly as well. And it's hard to find a lot of relatively tight lines in this day and age of Major League Baseball, especially this time of year, because 
got teams that are starting to sell guys off. But with that said, we've got a really good one between the Rays and the Baltimore Orioles that is going to be going down for Wednesday with Tyler Wells taking the mound for the Orioles, Drew Rasmussen for the Tampa Bay Rays. A pair of guys have been relatively profitable for you. Neither guy has gone out there and lit the world on fire, but at the same time, a pair of competent pitchers right now with the Rays. Find them in a lot of spots right around a minus 120 between even money, plus 110 on the Orioles. Are you looking in terms of this one? Big one in terms of the division, and both teams have been able to play some very solid baseball all throughout the last few months. Yeah, the no longer in last place Baltimore Orioles, <laughs> and there is no pitcher in baseball that I have bet on more this season than Tyler Wells. I think he's been consistently undervalued in the market going way back to the beginning of the season. Back in April, I remember him making starts against the Yankees. And now the market has caught up to him a little bit, but I still think he's getting disrespected. And I think a lot of it comes down to he has a pretty mediocre strikeout rate. If you look at his K per nine, it's in the sixes, not something that's going to blow you away. But his whiff rates have been trending up in the right direction. He's been missing more bats. And all of his stuff suggests that he should get more strikeouts than he does. I'm expecting that to continue to improve. And even despite the pretty mediocre strikeout numbers, Wells gets a ton of pop-ups, a lot of weak contact. His XCRA, 3.66. I actually think it could be even lower going forward. So Wells, just generally a pitcher that I'm very high on. Baltimore's bullpen continues to impress. Top 10, top 5, and a bunch of different metrics from strikeout minus walk to uh, actual ERA this season. They have some great high-leverage guys in the back as well. And this Tampa Bay offense is just struggling. I mean, they've had, they're dealing with a ton of injuries, of course, and that's really limited their ability to get margin on teams. And normally the Rays bullpen is lights out, shut it down, you know, grind out these low scoring kind of games. But the bullpen has shown some cracks this season. They're just not as good as Baltimore's bullpen. So I've got the better starter, the better bullpen, and I'm at home as a slight, slight underdog, basically a toss up. I'm going to take the Orioles. Also Drew Rasmussen, not quite as dominant as he was last year. XERA back over four again, getting barreled a little bit more. So I've got the better starter, the better bullpen, and I'm at home. Give me the Orioles. And to your point as well with the Baltimore Orioles, it's been better to bet on them for the full game rather than the first five because you laid it out, that bullpen. They are currently in the top four in terms of ERA. There's just so many guys in there that have a sub-2-5 ERA that you're able to trust in. So I do like the angle there. And I know you're taking a look at this one a little bit more from a first-five perspective. Miami Marlins are going to be taking on the Cincinnati Reds. Luis Castillo is going to be going for the Reds. Braxton Garrett is on the bump for Miami. And Braxton Garrett has been looking relatively solid in his last few starts. And Luis Castillo... He's been having himself a really nice season. A little bit uncharacteristic of Cassio, having a little bit of a higher ERA at home rather than on the road, but still he's been able to provide a sub-3 ERA, and let's call it what it is. The Miami Marlins bats have not necessarily been able to wake up recently as well. Right now you're finding the Reds anywhere between about a minus-145 to a minus-155 favorite with a total of 8. Where are you looking in terms of this one? Yeah, I would lean toward the Marlins full game to begin with, but I'm playing the first five under four runs. I know it's very difficult in that ballpark to get under four runs with, with uh, given the traditional you know hitters skew that it has, Great American Small Park as some call it. But I think we're getting to the point now where Garrett is just continually also, like Wells, being undervalued in the market. His stuff has been trending up considerably. His command has really improved. And his expected indicators continue to keep coming down repeatedly as we look at this. And you mentioned it. The Marlins lineup, they, they might be the worst in baseball right now with Solaire, Chisholm, Birdie, and now Garrett Cooper all out of the lineup. And that's 
basically their four best hitters all out of the lineup right now due to injury. And so the Marlins are, are, are stuck, you know, starting Astadio and hitting him second today against the Reds. It's just very hard for them to generate offense, especially going up against a pitcher with the quality of Castillo, who had a pretty bad start to the season. His velocity was down. That's a pretty normal thing for him. He tends to struggle in April and May. But since the calendar's turned to June, you'd struggle to find five pitchers that have pitched better than Luis Castillo in the last month or two. Castillo's velocity looks really good. His changeup's been excellent, as it usually is. And so we've got two pitchers that are trending up. We've got the Reds' offense, which has really struggled against lefties over the last year and a half. And so I think this is going to be a a tougher game for offense than maybe the ballpark would suggest. Not a ton of room for error in that park, but I'm going to take the under uh, four runs in the first five innings. And to your point with Luis Castillo, he actually began the year on the injured list as well, so probably needed a couple starts to be able to ramp up. He has been able to ramp up, and he's looked tremendous, and probably would want to take a look at a first five under the, rather than the full game, especially with the way that the Reds have lit a couple games on fire, but I agree with you. Both of these starters very solid, and if I'm looking full game myself, I'm with you on the Miami Marlins as well, but something else that I think is very intriguing is taking a look at the home of, and road splits of this guy, you Darvish. He's going to be going for the Padres against the Detroit Tigers who throw out their Tariq Skubal. Fair to say it's been a little bit of a tough go of it for Tariq Skubal recently. Giving up three plus runs in six out of his last eight games, but I do think that a little bit of it has been some bad luck on some balls in play. Meanwhile, you Darvish more than two points higher with his ERA on the road rather than at home the last two seasons ever since he wound up getting to San Diego. Padres finding themselves anywhere between about a minus 130 to a minus 135-ish favorite. And with the Tigers, going to get between about a plus 115 to a plus 125 is as high as I'm seeing. Where are you looking on this one in a game that involves a Detroit Tigers team that all of a sudden they've been able to score a few runs in this series? Yeah, they've been scoring some runs in general. You know, they had that sweep of the Guardians. They were playing the White Sox really tough. And yes, they did not get the win uh, tonight, but they, they really fought back, battled back got Clevenger a little bit late and got to the bullpen and then, of course, imploded in the 10th. But I like Detroit here, and I think, generally speaking, it's a good spot. You get a Padres team. They win the first two games of the series. Now it's an early day, getaway day, road game. is an overpriced favorite. And you talked about it with you, Darvish. I can't really explain it. It might just be statistical noise, but it's over a year now where he's just not been the same pitcher away from San Diego, and I'm going to be betting against that, not just that, but also betting on Tarek Skubal. Skubal hasn't really been that much worse. He's had a few blow-up innings, a few, you mentioned the BABIP, you know, he's kind of gotten a little bit unlucky. The Tigers' defense has screwed him over a couple times. So there's been a lot of kind of fluky-ish type things that have hurt him, and I, I don't think he was ever, the, you know, the 2-2, 2-3 ERA pitcher that he was early in the season that the numbers may suggested, but I also think he's considerably better than what his current indicators suggest. And you just look across the board. I mean, he's getting way more ground balls. He's not getting barreled. The strikeouts are, are really solid. Strikeout minus walk is very good among starters in the American League. And so I think he's a pretty solid, you know, 3-2 type 3-3-3-4 ERA pitcher. And he's not being priced that way. He's being priced as considerably worse than Darvish. I just don't think that's the case. And the Tigers, another bullpen I'm not sure how long they're going to keep that up. You look at some of the peripherals, you're, you know, you can't be too sure with the Tigers, but the bullpen ERA has continued to hold up at this point in the season. Yeah, but I like cer- Detroit on the money line. It certainly has been able to hold up quite a bit, and for the Tigers, has been a team that has been able to back up their starters with a very good bullpen as well. Top five in the big leagues in terms of bullpen ERA, and then this is a game that 
right now you're not finding it in a lot of books. This will be up a little bit more in the AM, so we might see a little bit of volatility with this line. But I know you've got something in terms of Rangers versus the Mariners. Marco Gonzalez goes for the Mariners. John Gray is going to be on the bump for the Rangers. And I don't know about you, but I have no idea why this is a game that's off the board in most books. But where are you looking in terms of this one? Yeah, not sure if it has something to do with the end of tonight's game going uh, you know, to the ninth. Both teams using high leverage guys could impact the game for tomorrow. But I like Texas in this spot. Sneaky good against lefties. They're fifth in the league in WRC plus against left-handed pitching. They just saw Marco a couple weeks ago, hit him for five runs in the first few innings, and then the bullpen blew the game. Uh, I bet Texas in that game. Was not happy about how it ended, but I'm betting Texas again here. It's also bet on John Gray. I mean, John Gray was somebody I was expecting to buy at the beginning of the season, coming out of Coors Field. Home runs were down, but he just wasn't quite right. But he's looked really sharp the last two months. K minus walk, way up. Uh, so that's a, a very encouraging sign. His stuff has been taking a, a leap. And again, the homers, he's benefiting from not being in Coors now. Keeping the ball in the yard should also not be a problem for him against Seattle in Seattle. And so I like the Rangers here. I think they should be a pretty solid favorite. I don't hate to look at the F5 because of how much better the Mariners' bullpen is. But I did take Texas on the money line. Their, their lines are right around a toss-up right now. I found a minus 108. Would take it minus 120. Probably wouldn't go past that. And John Gray has been getting a lot of strikeouts. And Anthony did a great job on the show tonight. Always appreciate you joining me. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. Coming up next, we're going to continue the baseball conversation and take a look at some interleague games right here on VEASAN Esports Bank Network. This is the look ahead on VSIN, the sports betting network. The VSIN football betting guides are coming soon, and there's no better way to prepare for both the college and the pro football seasons. Our experts provide profiles on every single team with advanced stats and power rankings. Plus, you get, you get best bets on season win totals, division finishes, player awards, and so much more. Reserve your copy of the football betting guide today and get access to Everything that we do through the entirety of the football season with a VEASAN all-access subscription. Make this football season your best ever. Go to VEASAN.com slash subscribe now to jump on this offer as it is a look at with myself, Greg Peterson, and great to be able to get Anthony DeBundo on the show. He does a great job over there at the Action Network taking a look at the game of baseball and delivered some great nuggets in last segment. So big thanks to him. And coming up in about 15 minutes, we're going to be shifting the focus a little bit more to college football. We talked a little bit of NFL and our number one, and we're going to talk a little bit of NFL and our number three as well with Ryan Kramer. He does a great job over there at the Sports Gambling Podcast Network, but going to shift our focus to college with Stephanie Audi. does a great job being able to take a look at college football for our Big Ten Network, also does some work with Vegas Insider. So we've got a lot coming up on the show tonight, trying to hit all the bases here. And when it comes to hitting all the bases, we've got to do that in terms of Major League Baseball. And we've got to take a look at an interleague game that I think is relatively fascinating as we wind up going 971-972 on the board as it is the Milwaukee Brewers are going to be playing us to the Minnesota Twins. Chris Archer is going to be going for the Twins and Corbin Burns is going for the Brewers. The Brewers are finding themselves as a favorite anywhere between about minus 185 to $2, and between plus 170 and plus 175 going to be your price on the Minnesota Twins. Total is eight with the juice a little bit to the under and when it comes to Corbin Burns' starts, whenever I see pretty much an eight or higher and well, it's a start that is not at either Great American Ballpark or Coors Field. I think that Great American Ballpark still needs to be 
put up there with Coors Field with regards to hitter friendliness. Obviously, it's not quite on par with Coors, but it certainly is a clear number two. But when you wind up getting away from those two ballparks, certainly is a case in which got to be taking a look at some unders here with Corbin Burns. He has been absolutely masterful this season, getting a little bit over 11 strikeouts per nine innings. He has been able to do a great job of being able to keep control of the walks, right around two walks per nine innings. Now, the one thing I will say about Corbin Burns is that his ERA at home is right in the neighborhood, about a 275 to a 280 on the road. This winds up dropping to a buck 80. So he's actually been significantly better when he has been on the road rather than at home. You would not expect that, but Brewers, by and large, have been able to do a solid job whenever he's taking the mound. Now, with the Minnesota Twins, it is a team that is going to be using a guy in Chris Archer that he just hasn't lent a lot of length this season, and that's a big concern with him. He has not gone more than five innings in a single start all season long, and I think that that is really going to take it out of a Minnesota Twins team that they wound up having Dylan Bundy look more like Al Bundy on Tuesday. They wound up having to use up two of their better long relievers and Griffin Jackson, Yohan Duran, and just taking a look at the starts that we've seen thus far this season from Chris Archer. Typically, one of those two guys winds up piggybacking off of them. Typically, they wind up giving one of those two guys multiple innings, and for the Minnesota Twins, to their credit, they do have quite a few guys that are able to eat two-plus innings. Even someone like Jarrell Cotton is someone that is going to be able to give you multiple innings if needed, but because they did wind up having to dive into the bullpen in a game of which we're going to call what it is. It was not necessarily a pitching spectacle on Tuesday. That is going to hurt them. Now, that also hurts the Milwaukee Brewers a little bit. They did wind up having to use up Josh Shader and Devin Williams in their win on Tuesday. But certainly with Corbin Burns on the mound, you can take the bullpen out of the equation a little bit more. So I do think that based on what we wind up seeing on Tuesday, it does wind up giving a little bit more juice to the Milwaukee Brewers. And with the Brewers, I did wind up saying them as a favorite of right around about at minus 208. I was willing to lay a little bit more than $2, and because it is a lower scoring game, I would need at least even money to be able to take a shot on the run line, and right now with the Brewers, we're finding them anywhere between about even money and plus 105, which did put me on it, and I recognize he struggles that many teams have had by being able to win by multiple runs when they have been at home, but I do think that this is a relatively good opportunity with the way that the Twins are going to need to dive into their bullpen, and with the Brewers, they've been able to pick it up with their offense a little bit more. The big thing with the Brewers is trying to get guys that get on base a little bit more consistently because you really don't have anyone other than Mark Brasso who for the season has north of a 260 batting average. You do have quite a few guys that are sort of in that fold of, we're going to call it about a 242 to a 257. You've got Hunter Renfro, Andrew McCutcheon, Christian Yelich, even someone like a Jace Peterson who's been out for a little bit due to injury, Jonathan Davis, Colton Wong, guys like that. But you haven't necessarily had a lot of guys be able to break through. But that said, you do have Willie Adamas, Rowdy Tellez, and Hunter Renfro who have been able to provide 70-plus home runs for the team. And with Renfro, it's been a little bit under the radar, the fact that he did wind up dealing with a little bit of an injury. And as a result, he's getting a home run about every 14 or so at bats. He's actually been very solid for the Brewers when he's been healthy. And you could sort of say the same thing for Brian Buxton, another guy that wound up going yard in the game on Tuesday. For Buxton, he's missed north of 20 games due to injury for this Minnesota Twins team, and he still has 24 home runs thus far this season. The big thing with him is being a little bit more consistent because batting average has been a little bit lax with him. You did notice that Luis Arias, who has been very consistent in terms of being able to get on base for the Minnesota Twins, he actually wound up pinch hitting on Tuesday. A little bit of a half sort of rest day for him, so he should be back at the fold, and he's been able to do a good job of being able to take of being able to be a table setter for the team hitting right around a 340 and then pass that. You do have guys that have been able to do a solid job 
be steady, guys, at being able to get on base. Kyle Garlick, Alex Kurloff, Gio Urshela, Jose Miranda, all these guys in between about a 265 to a 275 whenever you've had Gilberto Cicino out there. He's been solid. Nick Gordon has been able to do a nice job as well, hitting right around 255. You don't necessarily have a lot of power outside of Byron Buxton, but you do have Ori Polanco, who's been able to give you 14 home runs thus far this season as well. So the Minnesota Twins able to excel there. They do have Miguel Sano back in the fold, but... I am not going to upgrade the Minnesota Twins for having Miguel Sano back in the fold. I mean, there were a lot of reports that Miguel Sano was just not back up at the big league level, not necessarily because he was dealing with injury, but, I mean, I'm not even kidding when I say it because he's fat. I don't necessarily doubt it at this point. He's got one home run in 56 at-bats this season. He's been hitting a 0.86, and even go back to last season, the guy was able to slug out the home runs, but... I mean, he wound up hitting right around the Mendoza line of a 200. He had 183 punch-outs in 135 games. So you've got your issues with with Miguel Sano. So that's uh, something that I'm not really going to upgrade the Minnesota Twins for. And I do think that it's going to be tough for them to be able to put bat to ball against Corbin Burns. Burns has been giving up a little bit over 1.3 runs per nine innings at home. But I do think that he's going to be able to hold down the fort against his Twins team. And a Twins team that had to dive into their bullpen quite a bit. On Tuesday, I think that that's going to be a recipe for a disaster with Chris Archer on the mound. I'm going to be taking a look at the under. I think that Burns is going to be able to hold it down. Brewers are a bunch that they don't necessarily have a lot of guys that hit for average. So looking at the under, and I'm going to be taking a look at a run line here of the Milwaukee Brewers. But if we wind up going 973-974 on the board, this is your Chicago White Sox on the road facing off against the Colorado Rockies. Got Antonio Sensatella is going to be going for Colorado, and Lucas Giolito is going to be on the bump for the White Sox. White Sox are between a minus 135 to a minus 140 favorite between plus 120 and plus 125. Your price on Colorado and the total on this game is 11 and a half. And what I found interesting about this game is that the run line price that you're able to get with Colorado getting a run and a half, you're able to get this right around about a plus 120 to a plus 125, where I said at Circa seeing a or a minus 123 to a minus 125, I should say. Big difference there, but that said, you're able to find where I'm at at Circa, a minus 123 on this Colorado Rockies team, getting a run and half, only having to lay about minus 123 to minus 125 juice. And that's what really appeals to me because this is relatively online in terms of my money line price. I would need north of a plus 130 to take a shot on the Rockies. I would need a minus 132 or less to be able to take a look at the Chicago White Sox. But I think that there's a chance that this game winds up landing one run because the Chicago White Sox have not been great out there in the bullpen. I could easily see a scenario where they're up by two, three runs going into the ninth inning. The Colorado Rockies wind up getting like a solo homer or something of that nature and winds up landing one run. So you wind up providing yourself a little bit of protection there. And with Colorado Rockies, home and road splits are always paramount with this team because for the Rockies, they're averaging right around 1.2 home runs per game at home, a relatively solid number on the road that winds up falling by half. It's right around 0.5 to 0.6. That is the worst mark out there in the big leagues. And for the Colorado Rockies, the bullpen pieces of the team, many of them actually perform a little bit better at home, despite the fact that it is Coors Field. You've noticed someone like Luke Gilbreth have a sub-2 ERA at home on the road. This winds up going north of 6. Daniel Bart has been very good for this team as well. Maybe deal with an injury to Tyler Kinley. He is out for the season. He's been one of the best bullpen pieces, but Alex Calme has been able to hold it down. And for the White Sox, you've got Liam Hendricks, Craig Kimbrell. Both of these guys are very good relievers, and and it's one of the best eighth and ninth inning duos that you're going to find in all of baseball. It's been very good what they've been able to do this season. The problem is for the Chicago White Sox, everyone else in this bullpen, not necessarily so great. Jimmy Lambert wanted getting used up yesterday. Hendricks and Graveman, who I mentioned, 
wound up having Hendricks wind up getting used up for 27 pitches yesterday. That most likely knocks him out for this game, and he did wind up allowing a solo home run along the way in that contest as well. So that's not necessarily too terrific. Now you have to rely upon someone like a Tanner Banks. You got out there as well. Matt Foster has been posting up right around a 5 ERA. Now for the Chicago White Sox, top batting average team in terms of games on the road as you've got Tim Anderson throwing there and Dervon Jose Abreu. That has been relatively solid, but I do think that this is going to be a game which we're going to see quite a few runs in this game because Antonio Sensatella is saying north of a, or opponents are saying north of a 360 off of them. I'll give you a little bit more on this on the other side in our number three, but with that said, I'm taking a look at the Rockies getting a run in FN. What I'm taking a look at next is a little bit of college football as Stephanie Adi does a great job over there at Vegas Insider along with the Big Ten Network and she joins me next right here on the look at on VSIN, the Sports Bank Network. This is the look ahead on VSIN, the Sports Betting Network. Baseball predictions made brighter. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals, Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. On a summer night in Paris, American artist Lee Krasner is drifting off to sleep when the phone rings. On the line, news that her husband, Jackson, is dead. Jackson, as in the painter Jackson Pollock. He might, to this day, be the most mythologized figure in American art. But how much of the story that we've been told about him is just that, a myth? On Death of an Artist Season 2, Krasner and Pollock, the story about how the art world changed forever, and the story of the artist who reset the market for American abstract painting. Just maybe not the one you're thinking of. Listen to Death of an Artist, Krasner and Pollock on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Join the Born in a Ballpark Challenge presented by Blue Moon to compete for free for cash all season long. Enter into weekly prediction pools. Fight for your share of $62,500. The total cash prize is head on over to DraftKings.com slash Blue Moon. Now to dive in on the action. Blue Moon made brighter. 21 years or older terms and conditions and other eligibility restrictions do apply. See DraftKings.com for details and as always, Please do drink responsibly as it is a look at with myself, Greg Peterson. Great to be joined by Stephanie Adi. She does a great job over there at the Big Ten Network. She does a great job with her sideline work week in and week out for them. And Stephanie, great to have you aboard. Thank you. Yeah, thanks for having me. Can't wait for the season to get started, huh? I am so excited as well. Week zero, it's going to be here before we know it. And one of the big things that we wound up seeing in week zero last year was that Illinois versus Nebraska game, which did not go their way. And with Nebraska, it's an interesting team in that it feels like Adrian Martinez has been in college for about 35 years now. But with that said, it's been fascinating to take a look at this Nebraska team. What is your overall outlook on them? Because I know that you're taking a look at them to perhaps be able to win their division out there in the Big Ten. 
Yeah, the West looks pretty interesting this season, pretty open. Unlike the East, I, I love Ohio State. Clearly, that's where I'm from, but didn't like their odds, uh, to, to the value to take them. So I looked at the West, and Nebraska is a pick that I really like out of the West for the season. Scott Frost, ha- this is a do-or-die season for him, but I think this is the year he finally gets to his first bowl game. I know they were just 3-9 and nine last season, but they were great at covering the spread. Last season, Nebraska lost to... Some big opponents by just one possession, Oklahoma, Michigan State, Michigan, Minnesota, Purdue, Wisconsin, and Iowa, all within one possession. So I think this is year that they turn it around, and they have a very favorable schedule to do it. Scott Frost has, since his time at Nebraska, this is the most favorable schedule he has. They locked out in their cross-division state slate, and they actually will be likely an underdog in just one of their East, East uh, contests. They're traveling to face Michigan inside the Big House, but... They dodge Nebraska, or they dodge Ohio State, which is a huge one, Michigan State, Penn State, out of the East. So things look favorable for them when you look at the schedule and the changes that they've made on the offensive side of the ball. Like you mentioned, they no longer have Adrian Martinez at quarterback now, so they get a transfer quarterback and Casey Thompson. So I think things are looking up for Nebraska. I want to see them make their way out here in the Big Ten, but... We'll see how this one goes. But I like them to win the West at plus 380. That's a great value pick there. And the last time we did not wind up seeing Adrian Martinez under center for Nebraska, I don't think that the win one for the Gipper speech had been said yet. So it has been quite a while over there. But I mean, this is something that it just remains tried and true time and time again. Ohio State being the favorite to wind up winning the Big Ten right now. Seeing them in a lot of places as right around like minus $2 to be able to take the Big Ten. For their odds to be able to win the national title, more around three to one. Shop around on that. But what's your overall outlook for Ohio State? Because I know that you mentioned that you wound up going there, and I think that you're pretty high on them for the upcoming season as well. Yeah, you know, I can't go wrong with my Buckeyes. <laughs> you know, I'm going to take them, and that's just not my my home team taking over for me. I think this is going to be their year. They made great changes at defense, which was a concern over the past couple seasons. They make change at defensive coordinator. Coming from Oklahoma State, they get Jim Knowles. Big, big get. So much, such an impressive few seasons he had there. That really ups Andy for them, but I think that they have the most explosive offense in all of college football this upcoming season with arguably arguably the best trio on the offensive side of the ball with CJ Stroud, the Heisman favorite, Jackson Smith and Jigba, who is going to be the best wide receiver in the league this season. And then Trevion Henderson, who could be the breakout running back as well, all Heisman contenders in that race. But this is the year for the Buckeyes. I think that they can take down Alabama this time. And hey, it's going to be a big 10 winner this time. I think it's going to happen. And you mentioned some Heisman contenders as well. I know that you're taking a look at Jameer Gibbs to be able to be one of those dark horses to be able to win the Cy Young, a lot of play, or to be able to win the Heisman Trophy, right around plus or right around 30, 35-ish to one. Take me through mm-hmm. Gibbs and why you think that he might be worth a little bit of a shot because obviously a lot of people are looking at Bryce Young and C.J. Stroud mm-hmm. right now, but he's a guy that's a little bit further down the board that might be able to provide a little bit of value. You know, I really wanted to take Stroud, but once he jumped up to become the favorite over Young, I just don't see the the favorite ever winning the Heisman as of late. Usually it is a quarterback. We've seen that happen 16 times in the last 20 years. But I think it's just too hard for Bryce Young to repeat. It's only happened one time, and it was Archie Griffin back in the 70s out of Ohio State. I don't think it's going to happen for a favorite. I don't think it's going to happen for a repeat Heisman winner. But I think it could happen as one of Bryce Young's teammates out of Alabama. We've seen them have running backs in recent years. 
And I think you can get a great value pick here with Gibbs. He's, you know, one, one of the top running backs in the, in the, in the in college football this season. People haven't really looked at him as much because of so much going on in Alabama's offense. But when you transfer over to Alabama, they don't know what he did at Georgia Tech. He put up some big numbers. When you put into Saban's offense, he's already produced three running backs as the Heisman winner. I think this is a huge, huge value pick here. And I think he's a sleeper, especially with those long odds. You never know when a Heisman hopeful can jump into the race. And more often than not, they do play in the national championship. And I have Alabama playing against Ohio State in the big one. But yep. I think he's going to. I think that that's going to be interesting to take a look at as well. There is going to be a lot of big games for him to be able to make a little bit of a name for himself. And when it comes to what we were talking about a little bit earlier in terms of the West, I know that you like Nebraska as a little bit of a value play there. And I do think that there's another team out there that is going to be really interesting to take a look at in Minnesota. A very uneven season for Minnesota, I think, is the best way to be able to go about it. They wind up losing as a very big favorite against Bowling Green to begin the year last season. But I take a look at their schedule very favorable out of conference. You wind up playing against Colorado, Western Illinois, the good old Leathernecks, along with New Mexico State. And right now, we're seeing in a lot of places their win total is 7.5. And to go over that win total, you're finding it right around even money. You might wind up playing a little bit of juice, depending upon your book. But what are you looking at in terms of Minnesota? Because with Minnesota, I don't know if they're going to have the world's greatest year, but the schedule is certainly very favorable for them to be able to have a winning season and be able to make a bowl game. Yeah, it was very comparable to Nebraska. I was torn between the two as who I'd like to be my value pick out of the West. I do have them both getting the over and their win totals. But the kicker for me was that Minnesota-Nebraska matchup in Nebraska. I think that the Gophers will, will take an Allen Lincoln there. So that's what gave me the push to take Nebraska to win the West. But like you mentioned, they they do have a, a longstanding quarterback out of Tanner Morgan who will be reunited with offensive coordinator Kirk Soraka, who – would, bringing them together will be great for their offense. I know that the Gopher fans may not like to hear Tanner Morgan coming back, but he is, you know, he, he has the experience. And in the West, it's usually not a big an offensive output on that, on that division. But when you got a guy that comes back year after year and he's reunited with his old offensive coordinator, where he had a great season, they put a, he put a big points. He even has the record at Minnesota for the most wins as a starter at 27. So, I think that they're under underrating the Gophers and Morgan there at quarterback, but this was one where the schedule aligned uh, with them to hit the over. It was just between the kicker. I just see so many, so many similarities between them and Nebraska. And I think that they'll get the over on their win totals. I think they'll miss out on the, the, the big 10 championship though. Yep. And the team that they did wind up winning the big 10 last season, that would be Michigan. And we've made it about 10 minutes into this chat without being able to mention <laughs> them. But right now we're seeing their to win total. At a nine and a half, uh, for obvious reasons, Ohio State is the favorite to be able to win the conference. They're the shortest shot of any Big Ten team to be able to win the national title. But what do you see out of this team? Because it was not going Jim Harbaugh's way prior to last season. They really busted through with a tremendous defense and being able to run the ball last season. Do you see something similar? Or do you think there might be a little bit of a drop-off this year with Michigan right around nine and a half on their win total? Yeah, this is an interesting one because was it Harbaugh or was it his coordinators who he had to replace this season? They also played Ohio State at home. That's a big one. They have to play at the Horseshoe this season. I have them taking two losses at Iowa and, of course, at Ohio State. I just don't think that anyone's beating Ohio State. There's just such a big drop-off with them in this conference. I think their rival will have, you know, they'll, they'll stay on pace. I think Harbaugh got over the hump. That, that was very hard for them to get to. They have the right mindset now. He didn't go to the NFL. 
but they did lose the two coordinators. They lose lots of experience on defense, including second overall pick, a runner-up Heisman uh, Trophy candidate, Aiden Hutchinson. But they drew the second easiest schedule projected offense among the Big Ten teams with Iowa and Illinois in the cross-division play. So again, schedule here when you're looking at totals, that works to their favor, but they're not going to get in to the, they're not going to be the East winners. I think there's too much of a drop-off against Ohio State, but two losses isn't too bad for Harbaugh to, to get past that big hump, and I think they're in the right mindset now. Yep, I do think so as well. And we've got about 30 seconds left. I am someone from the great state of Wisconsin. What's your overall outlook on them? They're number three in terms of odds to be able to win the division and win total right now. You're seeing that in a lot of places, right around about an eight and a half to a nine, depending upon where you look. I think that sounds about right. That's why I didn't want to take it. I do like them for the West, but I wanted to take a value pick here. And Minnesota and Nebraska, I think that they could have breakout years. I think it's going to be one or, or the other, though. But with Wisconsin, you always you always see them as... The, the West candidate. I think that I was going to take a push down this year. If I have to think about it from, from a fan perspective, the Badgers will take the West, but we're going to pick Tug Betting here. I can't take him. I think that it's too spot on for that total. I love it. Great stuff from Stephanie Adi. <laughs> Great to be able to get her aboard and coming in next. We take a look at Wednesday's baseball slate right here on VEASAN, the Sports Betting Network. Check out the new betting splits feature on VEASAN.com before you place your next bet. Every day we post the... If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic Gymnastics, Cain Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith, host of the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and I answer your phone calls and respond to your tweets. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions and straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. All that and more. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.